Welcome back to Share the Load. I'm your host, Mia Schachter. Today is a special interim episode. It's the audio extracted from an IG Live that I did with Judy of Hear Me Finance. I was unable to post the video, so I'm sharing the audio with you here. I think it was a really fantastic conversation and sort of a continuation of a conversation we had started at the launch party of the Space on Space magazine, um, which is a wonderful magazine that you can find uh, around Los Angeles and online. It's edited uh, and largely written by Emily Logan. Mia, okay. Um, I met Mia through a friend, Emily, a mutual friend from Space on Space magazine. Make sure to follow Emily. Um, (laughs) And um, I was just really fascinated by the work that Mia does um, with consent which is like a word that I've heard, but I never really heard much about it being a work that's done. Like, or, you know, the, I feel like there's so much breadth to the topic that I didn't even realize. Um, and I feel like you kind of like introduced me to this idea, like I, somehow in our conversation, of like we did not consent to capitalism. And my mind was like, <laughs> like whoa, this is crazy. Um, and so I, um, asked Mia to come on IG Live with me to to talk about the work that you, um, they do. Um, Mia's pronouns are they, them. Um, and so, uh, and just to like talk about this topic, because I do talk a lot about, and my work as a financial coach about, you know, uh, as someone who personally hates capitalism, but also is like, well, we're in this system. So I also don't um, want to be living paycheck to paycheck. I want to have some financial security. I want my clients and my community, my friends and family to have financial security. So how do we navigate those two? And I feel like you, Mia, are great to, to kind of like discuss that and dig into that and give us some insight <laughs> so we can all figure out how to balance that. Um, so maybe to start, like to, if you could introduce yourself um, and like what is the work that you do, maybe even how you got into it. Sure. Um- yeah, I'm I'm Mia Schachter. Um, and I um, I found consent um, really through training to be intimacy coordinator, for, which is essentially a job very similar to a stunt coordinator, but um, for sex scenes and nudity, so wow. comfortable and safe, um, and that the scenes are replicable and realistic and all that stuff. So. Wow. Get exposed to consent in this way that like you know through this like lens and like thinking about boundaries and like ways that I'm putting my own boundaries and all this stuff and and my I just felt my mind like expanding and I was like why am I only just now at almost 30 years old you know three years ago like um and like why isn't it widely available um so one of the things that I knew immediately was to make sure that it was accessible, digestible, and not a gate-kept topic. Um, Because I I had had remedial consent education that was like, no means no, firing enthusiasm and all this stuff. And there was just something where I was like, this doesn't really speak to like what's actually practical in my lived daily experience and and sexual experiences. You know, like I, I... felt particularly enthusiastic about trying something when I've never done it before. You know, like often there's a little bit of nervousness and anxiety and fear yeah. about something. So I was like, I don't, I don't know about this stuff, you know? And yeah. so learning about it, um, as an intimacy coordinator, uh, I wanted to start teaching it. So I started teaching classes for actors and classes for directors. And it was still like very uh, you know, centered on the entertainment industry. And then uh, COVID happened. And so I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not comfortable, like not working, you know, like, I'm like, want to be busy often to a fault where you know, I deal with a lot of like burnout and like, yeah. um, you know, working on like preventing burnout and overworking myself and all that. Hey, Dunya. Um, and so I uh, I started teaching online during the pandemic and I was like, I posted it on my Instagram. It was a Instagram at the time. And I was like, I'm going to be doing this like $10, you 
you know, anyone who wants to come can and 10 people signed up. I, I was shocked. Um, and then, and then I was like, maybe I'll offer it again next week. And then 10 more people. And then it seems like we need like a, like, like what comes after this you know? yeah. class. So like, we need like a level two and then I developed a level two. And next thing I, knew, I was like running this business. That I didn't intend to start um, that allowed me to like move out of my parents and, and, you know, like my bills and all those things. Whoa. Yeah. So it, it really like took, took off. It kind of snowballed, um, you know, became like, uh, it, and it also like the more I was doing it, the more I was noticing the synchronicities were happening more often. And um, there was this way I was like my body on a deeper level and I was connecting with more people with these. And I was like, you know, navigating living with my parents in a way that I was like, actually, this is going to do well, you know, like all it was just affecting everything in my life. Um, and so then, you know, it grew into like the Instagram page that you see now um, and the sort of, I run a school. I, I run a school online. Um, I'm starting to think about like what it would be like to have like brick and mortar space in LA. And um, you know, like I'm, I, I, I had to hire an, an assistant and I was like, oh my God, I, okay, I have to figure out like payroll, you know, all this stuff. So, um, and then I actually read, I bought Space on Space at Civil Coffee in Highland Park and I read the interview with you and I was so impressed with how you talk about money and I had a coach who I adore and I was like, you are like really aligned. I wonder if they know each other. And, um, and so then when I met you at the launch party, um, I was really glad that we got to connect. And then, yeah, as you said, like our conversation really started to quickly veer into like, we don't, and not just capitalism, I mean, we don't consent all these systems that we're born into, whether it's the gender binary or white supremacy or patriarchy, capitalism, you know, all like, we don't, we don't, I mean, we don't even consent to being born, you know, like, we're just, we, we arrive. And then deal with what there is. Um, And so things that I think that brings up that like incredibly complicated is this question of like is full consent yeah ever possible yeah um and I think that there's you know about my my sort of the way that I think about consent and the way that I teach it as anti-binary and there's mm-hmm. binary there that there's, it's either you consent or you don't mm. I really think that that's realistic like there's, yeah. you know, I, I love my job, but I'm always going to wonder, like, would I do it if I didn't have to pay my bills? Yeah. And, and maybe I would do it, but I certainly wouldn't do it the way to do it. Yeah. You know? And there's things also like, um, you know, even gender binary, it's like, do I present? the way that I present mm-hmm. because I'm, because it is like entirely of me or is it uh, a reaction to what I have been told I'm supposed to dress like? And there's, yeah. there, you know, this is nature versus nurture question. Yeah. There's simply no answer. Like there is no answer. Like we can guess and we can speculate, but even if there were one answer, we yeah. will never be able to know for sure. There's just no way. Well, this is really making me think, okay, so like this thing of like nature versus nurture and like what we consent to and how we're raised, how how do you think that affects us finance in our beliefs around money? How do you think there are ways that we are um we have certain beliefs around money? based on how we're raised that we don't even realize that we're that we didn't consent to right yeah um i think i'm i first sort of like lay a little bit of groundwork around the word consent because i think it gets used in many different ways i use it in a couple different ways and even sometimes in ways that it's really used but like i wouldn't necessarily um 
like the way that we're using the word consent is mm -hmm. really talking about agreeing. Like we don't agree to capitalism. Um, yeah. There and then you know, consent and permission often get conflated. Permission is something that happens in the moment, um, but it doesn't mean that consent is being practiced or that consent is taking place. And so when I talk about um, consent and, and capitalism, it's like I agree to capitalism. Um, I can do, I can strive to practice consent as best as I can within capitalism. Yeah. And that have to do with like all the things that consent requires, such as yeah. like, you know, attunement to the other person, making an agreement and then updating the, um, yeah. paying attention to someone's like nonverbal cues, checking in with my body, you know, mindfulness, like all these things are part of practicing consent. Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about like agreeing or not agreeing to a system, um, the, the systems make it very, the, the yeah. systems create like, obstacles and barriers to practicing consent well that's even making me think because as you're saying that i was like oh this is like why talking about money with each other is so important because how can we consent to certain things when we don't even have the information yeah like the fact that like okay so many people get paid differently than their co-workers right but they're not talking about it yeah and so it's like and be like, well, you, you know, the employer could be like, well, you consented, you know, in a way, or you agreed to right. the set. And they're like, well, yes, but I didn't have all the information. Right. And so if I knew that this person was making more than me, then I wouldn't have agreed to this or consented to it, or, you know, and, you know, we want, we want to phrase it, or you want to phrase it. Um, but yeah, like, this is why. And so it seems like capitalism is keeping us from being able to even consent to, to, within our involvement in it by withholding information and keeping us from communicating about it, you know? Yes, and I think capitalism, the way that marketing occurs within capitalism is also to, like, um, create and then fight yeah. over and over a lack or something that you should, that capitalism would suggest that you should feel yeah. insecure about, you know, like, for example. Yeah. Um, like, you know, razor company would be nowhere if, if people liked their body hair. Yeah. But the marketing that they, that they put out there is like, hey, did you know that there's something about you that's wrong and disgusting? Let me yeah. fix it if you just give me your money. Yeah. And so, like relying on the gender binary to reinforce this idea they're relying on like heteronormative um you know stereotypes around love and beauty standards and all these and like white centric standards you know um all all like able you know blah blah, blah. like that's how they're selling their product they're relying on us to to believe them yeah we don't have things that we need um yeah. so this question around I mean, I guess I should maybe talk about just my lens, um, like where I'm coming from. This, I, uh, I'm, um, you know, my my grandparents are like uh, they fought in World War Two. They states the Great Depression. They're with. Um, Sorry, what was that last part? They're what? They're Jewish. Okay. Um, so, you know, a lot of like, uh, ancestral trauma or money, a lot of patients yeah. around money, uh, yeah. so white, obviously. Um, and I'm, uh, I grew up, my family is probably like, like not exactly upper middle class, but like upper within middle class, like towards the upper. Um, yeah. So that just gives like a little background as far as like where I'm speaking from when when it comes to money, and yeah. there was definitely like some secrecy, hey Jim, um, some secrecy like growing up around money. Like my parents wouldn't really show me their. The most information that I got was like as I was getting, at, like I think middle school time. Um, my dad started showing me like the the bill when we would go out for dinner, and he would show it to me just kind of like you know 
get an allowance and you're going to start going out with your friends and you're going to start driving and stuff like that. And I want you to have a sense of like, this is how much stuff costs, you know, yeah. this restaurant or this restaurant, or this restaurant, like this is how much stuff costs. And what came up for me that is, you know, it's, it's interesting how like people have different reactions to that kind of thing. I was immediately like, it was, it was the way that I became aware of what I had that other people did not have. Oh, wow. So it showed up and it manifested in me as like a lot of, a lot of guilt that I then spent many, many years like unpacking because that guilt was leading me right into the, the trap of thinking like in order to be anti-capitalist or in order to, um, you know, like level the playing fields or whatever, like this was like the narrative in my head. I had to not make any money, you know, I had to like be a sort of starving artist. And if I wasn't, then I wasn't living in line with my values. And it was this, it, it's still a capitalist mindset because it's based in this like scarcity. It's based in the idea that I have stuff that other people don't have stuff. Yes. Um, and it's just not a zero sum game like that. Like there is yeah. not, you know, it's not, uh, you know, I think about this like food, um, food distribution not an issue of scarcity distribution yeah. problem Ooh, that is really key i think because and that's the thing i i that mindset is what most of the clients that come to me it, because it's mostly progressive women who are activists or like social right. workers and so they um want to make the world a better place and then feel guilty managing their money because they're like if i have this financial freedom, if I'm debt free, have money in the bank, if I like think about money, then I'm just like the 1%. Mm -hmm. And from your right, that scarcity mindset, I thought that was really key, which I, I love how you pointed out, like, that it's not it's not that zero sum game. It's not that well, if I have it, somebody else won't. It's a how do we distribute it there. And I, I always like love to say this is like, there's so much wealth that like abundance in this earth that there's enough for everyone to eat well to live well to have shelter you know to to live a comfortable life um but the problem is like you said it's not distributed equally and it's not the people not everyone has the same access right so oh my gosh so how do you how did you um start to reconcile that to get to the place where you realized okay um I can, it's okay to, to like have, com be comfortable with money, to have money. Um, and how do you recognize this with this, like, with wanting to challenge and fight capitalism? Mm. Well, I mean, a, a series of events, you know, I like, I used to work in the theater and I was doing that in New York for a while. I was, and I was doing like theater and visual performance art. And business and things that happened in the theater area of my life that like eventually caused me to leave the theater was like I had two experiences with um with two playwrights you know kind of go maniacal one who was and um it was like right before like the the me too erupted um you know the me too been around for a long time but like in 2015 like the harvey weinstein articles came out like took off into yes and so like the summer before that i worked with this playwright who was super close to me and i was assistant directing his short play and he was super famous so i was like okay like my career you know like here we go like this is my career. yeah a moment in my career and then not only was super gross but um my payment for rehearsal was a month metro card what mm -hmm. then i went to a little party a gathering of theater people that i was involved with in the like downtown sort of alt experiment in new york i had made friends with several people who like were involved in theater companies and you know they were all a little bit older than me my late 20s time and they were 40s um yeah. upstairs neighbors in my building who i got involved with their 
company. And so I went to this like little show that they were hosting at the apartment. And there was this playwright there that I so admired. Like I was like, I, she runs this theater company. You know, she puts plays that are really meaningful to me. She, I, I was like, this is like, if I could have that career, like that was like my aspirational career. Yeah. And then she gets on stage where she's getting interviewed as part of the show. And she's, she's in her forties and she's about um, living in Bushwick with three roommates and no, none of them could afford cheese. Oh. So there I am at like 27 and I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Yeah. Like if that's, if that is my, that is like what I hope, that's what I'm aspiring to. Yeah. You know? And, and I went downstairs and I cried. Like I went back down to my apartment and I just sobbed myself to sleep. I was like, I don't think I can keep doing this. Yeah. Odds that I'm going to be like a Broadway playwright. Like it's not, yeah. there's no money here. No money to be made. Um, or there is money to be made, but it's not being distributed equally. Right, right. Because making a shit ton of money. Yes. And others that are making nothing, right. which is fucked up. Right. And then even the people who are making a lot of money, like, even the people who are making money but aren't, like, broad playwrights, they're yeah. writing grants, you know, they have to, you have to run a non-profit, you know, in order to, like, get your art made. And I was like, good fucking Lord, like, I am not, I, yeah. I put out for this. Hey, I do think it's, like, maybe, too, even the system, maybe there's, like, producers that are making more maybe there's like mm -hmm. roles that that do get the money or just like like there, there are people that could put more funding into the arts there and make it very easy to access that money but they don't they choose not to you oh, know and the philanthropy model is yeah like, yeah, yeah. Like, wiki to me also you know there was like so much about it where i was like i think i'm done i think i'm done and then when I moved home to Los Angeles in 2018, I was like, I'm gonna write for TV. Like that's, that's, and then and it really was where I was like, you know, I had my first year making six figures and I was like, wow. holy moly, the way that this has freed me up. Like it was two things. I wonder how often you encounter this. It was on the one hand, it was like, oh my God, mental health is better. I yeah. care myself. You know, I don't have to feel guilt around buying like a $6 latte. I can yeah. have to eat. I can get a massage. But it was like, it was loosening up my strings enough to the point where I was like, this is, this is comfy. And at the yeah. same time, on the other hand, I was like, I still can't afford a down payment on a house. I still can't afford to get a new car. I still can't afford to like turn down work in order to travel. I still yeah. can't do all, you know, I was like, whoa, yeah. I think it was like, it was like $102,000 that year. You know, it was like over. I was like, this, this is so fucked up that, this, yeah. that the improvements that are happening in my life are like my stress levels are way down. My yeah. Improved. I can afford to take care of myself and yet still cannot afford and I am not going to be able to unless I have many 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 years like this in a row like it's still not gonna give the the like life that I want and yeah. so I, that's that's really fucked up yeah and, like what you know what do what can I what can I do about that and how do I sort of make sure that other people uh, yeah. have access. Yeah, I definitely think your experience is super common. I think there's like a couple reasons that that happens. Some like, like you're because maybe people, even though they make a lot of money, they still don't have access to like an affordable cost of living because right. whatever. So that is a reason that some people make six figures and then are still struggling. And then there's other reasons where so many people still struggle, even when they drastically increase their income, because 
um all their money trauma is self-sabotaging them is like another reason like i've seen people is like well um because they're so used to the scarcity that they had maybe growing up especially people who grew up poor experience this a lot um where then they they are afraid that they, they're gonna lose it so they spend it as soon as they have it because their fear of like well if i don't spend it now i'm gonna lose it somehow and so we have kind of break down um, and really honestly do like therapy around all the trauma that they've experienced. So they don't start, they don't, they like um, are able to release those, those beliefs from their childhood around money that um, just like literally follow them. So there's like so many reasons like, and that's the thing is too, like, cause like for me, my cost of living is so low in LA because I'm in a rent controlled apartment that I'm not supposed to be living in, <laughs> so like, you know? Um, and so like, for me, if I was making 102 living in LA, I'd be like rolling in it. Right. Um, but then not everyone has access to those networks too. And part of it, I'm very lucky that like, you know, because of like the communities that I've lived in, like, my mom is also in a rent control apartment. We, you know, like we have networks of people that have really helped each other out and been like, Hey, get into this place now <laughs> before the rent. And our neighborhood, I live in Echo Park and our neighborhood when we moved to this area was a lot cheaper and now it's gentrified. And so if, if somewhere like this were my struggle about buying a house, cause I'm like, I don't want to move out of Echo Park, but I can afford to buy a house in Echo Park, but I don't want to move half an hour or more away or even 15 minutes away because I love that I can walk to my mom's apartment. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it's so complicated, you know, um, figuring out, well, and part of and that's like where some of these laws that we don't even consent to are, is like if rent control was, it, it's a good thing, but it's so limiting that it doesn't actually help as many people as it should, right? Mm -hmm. So this is all super duper complicated. But okay. so I'm wondering, you mentioned earlier some awesome like tips around consent. And like, how do you think that those can apply to like, say this work of personal finance, mm. or, you know, to an individual in their life trying to figure out like, how to practice consent within capitalism? Um, how do those apply? Well, there's sort of two things coming to mind. Like one is like, I've worked really hard and had to get super creative around building my in a way that it feels anti-capitalist, but within reality that I still live in a capitalist system. Yeah. And, like, still have to make money. Um, and, you know, and I'm trying to make money that allows me to like flourish and not just like barely uh. um, and 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 there are many many ways that I do go into that one but to, to answer the question the other thing is that a lot of what what I think capitalism relies on in order to make the money in the of few is um, this separation uh, between our minds and our bodies and that is a, that is baked into you know, industrialized medicine. Um, yeah. Oh in, my god! And and so and, you know, and psychiatry stuff. Oh, it's hard, huh? Hmm. Thank you for telling us that. Um, in the Confident Money Club, and also knows Emily. That's how I met Jamie. Oh. Can yeah. it tell me if my audio is better now? might still be a little bit choppy i hope i wonder why my wi-fi signal is i think you're a little better now i can also put on headphones that might help put that way the whole time i i definitely noticed you were a little choppy earlier but i could hear everything okay so all right i'll okay. probably, sorry i probably should have said something sooner but i was like well i can hear everything so okay there's feedback. Hmm. Oh, headphones might help with that. I wonder why. Yeah. Um, okay, can we get I'm just running social media or um, 
businesses on social media. And that's what you may even think is like, you know, we like in terms of like what we consent to in capitalism is like we get fed like things like Instagram. It's like and it's where, you know, it's like free resources, like great, awesome. Um, hi, Jamie. <laughs> um, and, you know, you can run your business and it's, it's like an awesome resource. But then, you know, after you've gotten used to it and you build your business around it, all of a sudden they start feeding you ads. And then they feed you more ads. Mm -hmm. And by that time, you're so dependent on it that, like, you can't just, like, switch to something else. Um, or you get dependent on having it because of that's your network and that's how you connect with people. And, that, yeah, that's just the way society works. And then we're fed ads, like, you know, like, Instagram used to not have ads. And now it's, like, mm -hmm. every story is sponsored. And so it's like, we, we didn't consent to that, <laughs> but it's like, but they're like, well, but you're getting this free service. And it's like, well, but you do kind of like manipulate us into becoming dependent on it. So then you can force us. Well, and we've become the product. Like we now are the product, like originally Instagram was the product, but now we are the product that Instagram sells to advertisers. And then they don't, they don't want to, so then people who are trying to sell stuff through Instagram, like me and friends of mine, like if we don't buy ads, they don't, our stuff gets buried in the algorithm. Yes. Um, okay. So you asked about like yeah. practicing consent within capitalism. Um, and I was saying that one of the things that uh, capitalism counts on and like marketing counts on in order to keep money in the hands of the few is this mind body split. So it's like this really old, outdated idea that has been entirely debunked, but still sort of makes its way into like, you know, pop science as though this is real and it's not. And, and it's promoted by industrialized medicine, this idea that you have a mind and a body and that they're two distinct things. Yes. So a lot of consent work is um, about repairing and healing that, that rupture. Um, and I, I found a lot of consent, like a lot of consent stuff was, was really um, resonating with me because of my autoimmune issues. And what I was noticing was the ways that I was pushing my own boundaries because I had internalized this idea that I had a mind that was in control and a body that needed to submit. Oh. So there was a lot of like, you know, my body was communicating all these things to me like, hey, you're not comfortable right now. Or, hey, like that food doesn't feel good to me. Or, yeah. hey, this, this situation doesn't feel safe. And my brain, my conscious brain was saying, shut up. Everyone's doing it. You know, yeah. don't you want to be like everyone else and eat the pizza or whatever? And, um, or, you know, wear the makeup or shave, shave your legs. And, yeah. or have sex or, you know, things yeah. that really are not feeling great to you in this moment. Um, and, and so a lot of the, a lot of the consent work that I've done and a lot of like what informs my practice and how I teach it is this idea of like, um, repairing that relationship yeah. between your mind and your body so that you're thinking about it again as like a, um, like a, a you know, a holistic, um, a system where they are not separate entities. You know, you have neurons in your brain, you have more serotonin, sorry, neurons in your gut, you have more serotonin in your gut than you have in your brain. Um, yeah. A lot of mental health is like rooted in the gut yeah. and a lot of um, mental health issues are rooted in um, uh, inflammation. They come from inflammation. And one of the quickest ways to get inflamed is through the gut. Wow. So. Um, so like a lot of my, my health healing, like my physical healing was really intimately tied with like emotional healing, uh, mental healing and, and repairing that, that rupture. So okay. when I'm thinking about practicing consent within capitalism, I'm thinking about, um, that process of getting back in touch with my body, really mm -hmm. listening to my body, understanding what it's trying to say, um, mm -hmm. making, uh, you know, healing like inner child work, um, yeah. attachment wound healing, you know, all, all these things that will allow me to um, actually listen to myself and like hear how I'm feeling and, and what is comfortable and what is safe and what I actually want. And as yeah. I said, like you cannot fully like determine, do I genuinely want this because of, is it inherent or is it 
you know, nurtured. And I don't yeah. really think that it's worth trying to figure that out past a certain point. You know, like my desires are my desires. If they came from a movie that I saw when I was a kid, okay. Like I have to deal yeah. with the reality that that's now my desire. Um, yeah. But that, that process of like getting back in touch with your body, of listening to yourself, of like, um, of, of checking in, you know, of not gaslighting yourself. Um, like that's how I think we can work towards practicing consent within capitalism. That's making me think of like, there's, cause there's all kinds of different ways that that can be applied. One thing I think of, I, I have friends who have been like trying to convince to quit their jobs. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they like, like one of my best friends, she gets sick constantly. She was like, you know, in the hospital because I know like the job is just, and it, it's like, if she were, well, uh, if she were to like, listen, if we were to listen to our bodies, sometimes our bodies are going to tell us, Hey, you need to quit this job. It's toxic. It's abusive, you know? Right. And, um, and part of that I think is like, we have to pair listening to our bodies with really working on that scarcity mindset that we talked about earlier, because I've seen people be like, well, I can't quit this job because what if, and I'm like, there are so many opportunities out there that just because this, you know, feels secure doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's the right, that it's your only option, you know, right. there, are, there are lots of options. And if we don't look, we'll never know. And so sometimes it's even hard to look because we feel so trapped in that, like the, the system that we, that capitalism makes us feel trapped, right? Mm-hmm feel like you know and that's where like jobs make us feel like well you should be lucky you know you feel lucky you should be thankful that you're getting a paycheck and it's like no there's lots of jobs out there there's lots of opportunities uh, like like we talked about there's lots of money and abundance in the world you mm-hmm. know to, um at least try at least try you know see what else is out there you'd be surprised and I've had so many of my clients in my group program get like micro programs like seven or eight people usually and every single round at least one person has got a new job making more money than they were before and that's like a small group and my group the program started during the pandemic so mm-hmm. if, well at least one if not two each round like that just shows you how much oh i like that gg says secure doesn't mean safe right yeah. all of that yeah and then it's also making me think of like how we can do this of like even doing purchasing things is like, oh, but, you know, especially I work with a lot of people around emotional spending, which is something that I struggle with a lot, especially mm. I was a union organizer, especially at the beginning, the first few years I was, you know, I moved to Philadelphia straight out of college. It's a stressful job being a union organizer. You're working long hours and moving to a new city. I was super lonely. And so it was just like work all the time. And then my one day off, I'd be like, well, I'm going to just go shopping and eating out because I just mm-hmm. need to sleep. And, um, but the reality is, and that was making my situation worse because I got into all this credit card debt. And so realizing that the, you know, that um, I talk about this all the time, the like, um, the self-care industry is mm-hmm. like not self-care, you know, it's just, yeah them advertising to us and getting us to spend our money so we're constantly um indebted to them and in that cycle and so um this make me think is like when you're dealing with emotional shopping is is actually often if we listen to our gut and i would say this you know like some emotional shopping it's okay to emotionally shop right and especially if you have the money for it you know it's not like a black and white bad thing like there are days when it's like i have a bad day and i have a restaurant that i like to go to to get a specific pasta Mm -hmm. and that's great and i love it and it makes me feel better um but often when it's emotional purchase because capitalism tries to sell something that we don't even end up using you know or because like you said before because they're making us feel bad like you know about ourselves when the reality is we're beautiful or perfect just you know great just the way we and so it's like maybe that those are the moments too where like you you mentioned um if people practice what you're talking about where they listen to their gut and be like okay what is my body feeling and and your gut will probably tell you like you know it's going to be honest with you it's like oh i'm only buying this because i'm making the ads making me feel bad or right whatever 
my job made me feel shitty. And so I feel like I need this to feel better. And so then when you're listening to your gut can be like, will this actually help? Or because that's why I talk about a lot too, is like, some of the stuff like buying it does help, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, relieve some stress or, you know, like makes bring value to our lives. But then some of the purchases don't actually help. It's just covering up you know the root of the issue and what we need to do is get to the root of the issue and maybe the root of the issue is actually just quitting your job or you know or setting a boundary and that's another question because like that's something i'm thinking a lot about is like i've actually been on this journey of setting more boundaries Mm -hmm. because i um i feel like i i tend to get sick when i'm stressed out Mm -hmm. and um I thought, oh, I'm really good. I only do things that I want to do, you know? And then my coach was like really pushing me like, I don't think you're setting enough boundaries. And I was like, well, let me start being aware. And I realized I was like, well, because I grew up having to like mature really fast because I grew up in a really like a home with a lot of abuse. And so I had to kind of mature and start like, you know, and and feel like um, take care of people. Mm. And well, that's just me being a leader, you Mm. know? and taking responsibility and being in charge. And really it was just a codependent behavior where I'm just taking care of others because it's all that I know how to do. And it's not actually being a leader. It's just, um, I'm not setting the boundaries. Right. Right. Um, Cause like, and I was, I was thinking, I was actually talking about this with a client the other day where it's like a leader actually isn't the workhorse doing all the work. Mm-hmm. It's who's like can step up and see that bigger picture and, and delegate delegate inspire you know um and yeah like really is in control and if you're just doing all the work for other people you're not actually in control and so it's a lot to think about so it's like okay well how do we set those boundaries with capitalism i don't even know (laughs) how do we do that (laughs) yeah well it's you know you've hit on it already it's like it's like striking this balance between like well what do i need and then like where am i trying to go and so sometimes it's like I have this job that I can't quit because I have this bill and this bill and this bill and oftentimes looking for a new job can be a job in and of itself you know and like you don't get paid for that and it takes time and often it takes like you it takes you away from your other job and if your current job finds out that you're looking for another job, they will fire you, you know? So yeah. it's, um, it's not, it's, it's like striking this balance between like what's realistic and then what it is that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And I think that very often, you know, and I see this in my friends sometimes where they're like, well, I'm going to go do, I'm going to do this kind of job because it'll make me money or because Um, like my parents consider it legitimate or something like that and you know I don't I say that with like such judgment but it's like it's not I don't mean that I it's like it's realistic you know and it's like based in okay you have student loans you have to pay off and okay if you if you do that type of work then like your family will support you through school or like and those are those are the realities but what that means if you pan out a little bit is that like this capitalist system that we're all trying to survive in is divorcing people from finding it from their purpose. Like it's so hard for anyone to find what they love and what feels purposeful and meaningful to them because they are, you know, making $15 an hour trying to pay rent in Los Angeles or New York or Chicago or Seattle, you know, like that's, there's, it, it prevents people from, from like living to their potential and doing the things that feel aligned. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I definitely like one thing I always recommend, like, it's hard, like you said, that looking for other jobs, it can often be a second, like a whole other job. But if people have the capacity for it, I'm co- I recommend even if you like your job, constantly be looking for other jobs just in, in the way just to like, keep that practice up and just mm. part and remind yourself of the abundance mm-hmm. um, be like oh it's okay like you you always you you always have more emotional freedom when you're constantly like even applying i say apply to jobs that you're not going to take that's okay mm-hmm. because you always say oh sorry you know i realized you know it's not the right fit for me after going through the process you can always turn it down 
And then you could use it potentially for leverage at your current job to negotiate more, mm-hmm. but at least it helps you with that abundant, the scarcity mindset to remind yourself, right. you know, like there are jobs out there. They're like, wait, yeah, there's, yeah, there's jobs out there. Yeah. Um, but it, this makes me think of like, cause I, as we were talking, I started just thinking about Instagram and all the ads and you know, how the algorithm, you know, I, I just, there's so many times where it's like, I look at like a kitchen pot and then all of a sudden I'm getting ads for that pot everywhere or yeah. that, you know, and there are ways to make it. So like, um, you know, I forget you like erase the cookies or something oh, um, huh. that every once in a while I need to, maybe, maybe I need to make a post on this because like you're much less likely to be manipulated by those ads if it's some random thing that you're not even going to want being advertised versus something that's targeting you specifically because it knows that you thought about it but then you maybe you thought about it you said you said no this is not the right purchase for me and then they're still like right no but you do want it and you're like but i said no (laughs) yeah i know like make me think of like i just oh my god that was just like no means no (laughs) and the ads are not like (laughs) They're not like practicing consent with us. No, they're not. I mean, and like so many surveillance things are not consensual at all. I mean, yeah, like I do often think that Instagram is listening to me when I'm, yeah, like, you know, I'll talk about something and then they, um, or yeah, I guess it's the cookies. Cause like, if I look at something else, if I look at something on my phone on Safari, it'll start to show up on Instagram. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look up like how to erase cookies, like mm-hmm. a, a search history or you know different stuff like that. So maybe I can make some materials for people because that can be a way. And I always talk a lot about like uns- um, with my clients. We I'm like unsubscribe from everything if you mm-hmm. really sign up for email list to get that 15% off, and then I immediately unsubscribe just because it's like then I'm gonna be advertise to buy something that I don't actually want if I really want something I'll I'll go find it, you know yeah. I'll, I'll find a way to get it so mm-hmm. yeah and I'm trying to think if there's like other ways that we can set those boundaries with capitalism um I think part of it then this is maybe think another thing is like having the conversations with our friends about this kind of stuff because then our friends, you know, I, you know, especially in my twenties, there's so much peer pressure of like, oh, you should buy this. You look so good in it. Or, oh, you should, you know, let's go out to EO, just get another drink. You know, even if you don't actually, you know, want to, there's a lot of peer pressure around purchases, um, especially when we're younger and having the conversation. And then the thing is like, for not having conversations about this is what I want for myself financially. And this is where I'm at. This is how much I want to spend and setting boundaries with our friends, our family, mm-hmm. societal expectations to like buy gifts or spend for certain like, you know, there's so many, you know, oh, you need to spend a lot of money for a wedding or for, you know, or to buy wedding presents or, you know, um, I see some people are like, oh, I have to buy presents for all my friends' birthdays. And so, well, do you like it? Or is that society's expectation of putting pressure on you, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so how do we have those conversations? Because it's like, you know, I don't think our friends are coming from bad, you know, places. They just, that's what they realize to do too. Right, right. I mean, there are ways to get creative, you know, like I think, like there was a time when I was like, I was really into making granola. And so for my friend's birthdays, I would like use a recycled jar and I would make granola. And I was like, this cost me a dollar. And, yeah. you know, here you go. You're welcome. Um, yeah. I think there's like a lot of what you're talking about. Yes. It's like, yes, boundaries for sure. I think there's, it also comes back to that thing of like checking in with yourself and being like, why do I feel like this is important? Is it a should, like, am I shoulding myself? Am I saying like, oh, I'm yeah. supposed to do this for my friend or, or shouldn't I be honored that I was invited, you know, like those kinds of things. Um, and really checking in with yourself and, and the, the self care stuff that you mentioned too is huge because I think when, when, when we're sold self care products and services, it, it taps into this, um, like deferring to external authority stuff 
Um, um, and, and a lot of like, and I've, I've dealt with that always, like, you know, even in my dating life where I'm like, where I was dating older people. And so I was always sort of like, well, they must know something that I don't know, or like, I trust their judgment over mine. And then finding myself in situations where looking back, I'm like, I didn't really want to do that. And I just sort of thought yeah. like, this is what I'm supposed to want or something like that. And so with the, with the self-care stuff, it's like, yes, okay, I'm going to pay a body worker to like, give me a massage. Um, but am I going to pay for like this face mask? Am I going to pay for this spa treatment? And sometimes the answer is, yeah, you know, sometimes it's like, fuck, yeah, I want to be pampered and I want it to be elegant and glamorous and I want all those fancy products and, you know, and then sometimes it's like, well, I, you know, am I trying to emulate something that I've seen on, you know, she's all the, she's on everyone's minds right now, like that, that I saw Kim Kardashian do, you know? And so like, so then it, then it, then it's like, if, if you check in with yourself and you're like, I really want that, that actually sounds amazing to me. Great. Do it. But if it's yeah. more of like, a, um, this is what you're supposed to do when you make money. Right. You know, if it's a little bit more like dissociated and a little bit more like, um, uh, detached in a way from like what feels, uh, feels like genuinely aligned for you, then, yeah. then you know, just check on it. Like, it doesn't mean like it's a no, but it's like, just ask yourself where this came from. Like, where did this desire come from? Because a lot of our desires and preferences are societally constructed. We've learned from advertising, from movies, from TV, from pop music. And I love pop music and I love stupid television, you know, but I think one of the problems is that we're not given like literacy around how to consume that stuff in a critical way. Oh, oh my God. That makes so much sense. I like that. I never thought about that way. We're not given literally how to consume it in, in a critical way. Cause it, it like, it really, it really fucking gets to you. Like I, so I, I, um, I was like, so annoyed. I made a, a, a reel about Kim Kardashian's like, you know, yeah. uh, but I'm also fascinated about her. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, all like the stuff around her and Yi's um, divorce. Mm-hmm. As also, I'm really fascinated because Yi and what he and his behavior reminds me of my father. Mm-hmm. And so, empathy for her because I'm like, oh my god, like I see the emotional ma- manipulation, the fucked up abuse. Like, I know exactly what that's like. Um, I totally relate to all that. And um, and I also love reality TV, so I may have just binged. Like, Mm -hmm, (laughs) super critical and love watching the show yeah Um, but like literally when I was watching it and like seeing all the clips of Kim and and then Chloe talking about her nose shop I was literally like watching I was like should I get a nose shop (laughs) isn't that incredible (laughs) yeah it's like you know there's there's ways that I think that that phenomenon takes place in a really positive way like I've seen so many people um, you know, discover like, like, oh my God, I didn't have the language for like, for transness until Tumblr, you know? And like, and that's been a miracle and like literally life-saving for a lot of people where they're like, I didn't realize that I was like trapped in the system or in the city or in this house where I wasn't allowed to like fully be myself and, and, yeah. you know, understanding like, oh my God, there are like surgeries and hormones and like things that I can do. And like, it, yeah. it literally saves people's lives. And then it yeah. goes the other way where people are like, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that I could like, um, get a nose job or yeah. this surgery or that surgery. And it, and it comes from a place of like implanting almost like incepting, um, yes. these insecurities that then, you know, lead to someone profiting off of that insecurity. It's fucked up, man. Yeah. Well, this has been like such a helpful conversation. I love it. I really appreciate you joining me. I wanted to, maybe we could both share for those who want to work with us. Yeah. There's such important work that you do. And I'm sure there are people who would want to take your classes or, Mm. you know, what's the best way if someone's interested, like what kind of, what kind of offers? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I do one-on-one coaching, like boundary coaching. Um, I do classes, I do like long form programs, and then I do like one off classes or intensives. So if you go to the link in my bio, um, you'll see a link that says classes, 
Um, that'll take you to the one-offs that I'm offering. You'll also see um, a couple upcoming programs that I have. Um, I'm currently offering a four-week class um, that starts, I think, in May. Um, I'm offering my educator training. That starts April 18th. Applications are due April 12th. So that's like for coaches, healers, therapists, um, practitioners of any kind, anyone who wants to like build an anti-capitalist business um, to the best of our ability, anyone who wants to teach the things that I teach and learn how to like make money doing it. um, That's a three-month program. Um, You get private sessions with me. You get support creating curriculum, marketing, stuff like that. Um, and then I also just launched a um, program, an eight-week program for men. And that's open to anyone who identifies as a man or gender expansive people who feel that they've been shaped by masculinity in a way that they want to like unpack in a group setting. Um, cool. That also has some private sessions with me. Um, and then I have some one-off classes. So I do have one in, in June that's a boundaries and your business class. And actually, Judy, if you want to take that class, let's, let's talk. Yeah. Um, that might be something that you might want to let your um, like mailing list know. I didn't even think about that. I should share that with you directly. Yes, please. Um, please send me okay. that. So that, that one's a two-day intensive. And it's all about like, it's about building an anti-capitalist business. Um, and also like finding aligned projects and shirking the scarcity mindset around, um, you know, what's out there and what's available to you, uh, figuring out who your audience is and, and your mission and all those things. Um, and then I have a self-advocacy class coming up. It's a one-off, um, April 13th. So there's a lot of stuff going on and you can find it all through the link in my bio. And so if someone has some questions about your offer, should they DM? Or what's the best way if they're like yeah one? they can dm me or email me either way my email is on my page um, but you're welcome to dm me also okay awesome yeah i'm so excited I really let me know that because i'm that's what i'm trying to figure out like right now is like okay how do i set boundaries in my business how do i figure out yeah what's you know constantly figuring out like how do i figure out the direction in a way that's good that's constantly attracting the audience that i want we've talked about that for those who don't always <laughs> I've had yeah. 30s of like, if I share all this, like, like, even like all the radical beliefs that I have, am I, you know, um, am I going to have people come after me? Like, I don't want the negativity from the conservatives. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, we were chatting about that when we were DMing, like there's, there's ways to um, communicate who you are and who your audience is um, that will essentially filter out people like that. And you don't like, I had a lot of boundaries listed on my site that were like, that were sort of that I've now discovered are like pretty unnecessary. Like I don't need to say um, that like uh, transphobia is not welcome in my class. Like my, it does say that on my, on my site when you check out, but I'm like, Oh, like look at who signs up for my classes. Like it's sort of, I'm clearly doing something right in that um, uh, I don't, I don't actually have to deal with people that I'm yeah. afraid to deal with, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. And if anybody um, is interested in getting support in um, making a plan to read financial freedom, learning how to budget, how to overcome that scarcity mindset, how to just finally really feel confident. I work with women and their partners, um, mm-hmm either individual women or women and their partners, if they want to include their partner in, um, in the coaching program, my group program, the confident money club. And we, um, I help them. A lot of them have been afraid to check their bank account or like are nervous mm-hmm. to see the status of finances. And then I help walk them through that process through then becoming confident of like knowing how to budget in a way that's actually going to finally stick learning how to um, uh, pay off debt, how to save, how to set up good money habits, how to invest, all those things. So if any of y'all are looking for support on that, um, you can DM me or there's an application at the link in my bio. The next round starts in April. I'm super excited. We already have a couple people in that round. So um, yes, I look forward to talking to to more of y'all. Um, and we need to like, I feel like, we can do more. This is amazing. We can do this again. Yeah, absolutely. 
applications are currently open for my spring 2022 educator training. So if you want to bring the consent and boundaries concepts that I talk about to your business or your job, or if you want to build a business based on those concepts as a foundation, this is a program that offers not just all the comprehensive um, consent education that I offer already, but also business support, um, support building curriculum, uh, social media support. There's a mental health first aid training taught by Umu Silla, who was on the show last season. There will be nonviolent communication training from Minachi, who was also on last season. And you'll get a community of amazing people looking to think about, talk about, and teach the same things that you are. Um, the first one last year was incredible. Some of those people um, I'm still working with or working with for the first time. Um, they're people that I consider trusted colleagues um, and we brainstorm and ask each other for advice all the time. Um, it's a pretty amazing group. So if that's something that you're interested in, applications close on April 11th. The link to apply and to read more information about it is on my website, sharetheloadinc.com. Share the Load podcast is produced and edited by this guy, me, Mia Schachter. I also wrote the music. If you want your question answered on the show, you can leave a voicemail at 213-290-0610 or email a voice note or written question to podcast at sharetheloadinc.com. I have recorded classes available to download or stream on my website. I have several classes coming up and the educator training applications are open. That will start on April 18th. It's a three-month program if you want to build your business around concepts of consent, boundaries, and being trauma-informed. There's tiered pricing available for everything, and you can see that all on my site, sharetheloadinc.com.